Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, let me tell you, one of the reasons, the main reason that I was so excited about coming is because of your pastor. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he's not a normal pastor. Uh, I, I don't know if you know that about him. And, you know, I really don't like preachers that much. Uh, I don't do anything with them. But John's a guy I would hang out with. He's real. He's humble. He's a great leader. He's like a shepherd more than a rancher. And I am so thankful that he's rubbing off on me. You know, he's having a good influence on me at this point in my life. And uh, thankful for Swayze Bozeman, who goes to our church and is very active with our students. And uh, man, I am so glad to be here. Can I just take just a second to say, it's so good to not be at my church. Uh, you know, 36 years, think about that, 36 years, I, I've been there and really, I don't ever preach anywhere else. I mean, I'm there every week and just driving up here, I felt like I'd gotten saved. <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm not kidding you. I drove around on some road way out here, like in the country, and I just kept driving. And I thought, you know, I'm going to skip church <laughs> because ponds everywhere and, you know, land. And, and I thought, man, what a great place. And you know, the thing that scares me, people are going to find out about you. They're going to find out about this town. And, and they're coming. I'm just gonna, I just want you to know that. It's a, it's a word that God gave me driving up here. And I said, Lord, don't, I don't want to say those things. You know, my, you know, if this is not what you're saying, but, but God's going to use you. And you're going to do some amazing things. Um, already, let me tell you what's happening here is not happening hardly anywhere in our state. Uh, most churches, 80% baptize zero. And most churches are declining. And what you're doing and what God is doing through you, I know John said over and over again about the humility, and that's true. But, but we celebrate that God is working through you, and he's doing something in a setting that really you're not supposed to be able to do what you're doing. I mean, the choir, when the choir got through, I thought, you know, if our choir decided like that, we'd still have one. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, and you clapped after a song. I thought, where am I? This is a Holy Ghost First Baptist Church. And so I just want to say uh, thank you for what you're allowing God to do through you. And I want to tell you, if you will obey God and be willing to, to bend and tweak, God will do things in you that's beyond anything you've ever imagined. Because he's going to bring people to you where a lot of people are having to go out and find people. These, I know you may not lie. I drove through town and I realized, hey, you know, I like this town. You know, I like this state just like it is, you know, but it's not. And uh, it's because God is preparing you to do things that most churches just can't do. So tonight I want to talk about, and we didn't talk about this in terms of planning uh, at our church, we plan and we have a team that plans out everything and we do it, you know, over weeks at a time. And, you know, we have all these different teams that do stuff. And and then sometimes it hits just right and sometimes it doesn't. But tonight, everything you're doing hits with what I'm preaching about. Because I'm talking about the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm counting a series with our people, and I don't know if COVID has hit. I don't think COVID has hit here. I've not seen one mask uh, anywhere. And so, thank goodness, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're in a different zone. You're in a different place here. And so, but man, it has hit us hard. And, and uh, so we've gone back to some of the basics about how people can find some truth you can believe you know, some traction that you can get to live your life by and things you can sink your teeth into. And so we've gone all the way back and we talked about the creation, the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I have to say that, and and I told our people, 62% of the people in America don't believe that. So it's really important that I say that to you, uh, that God has a plan and purpose for your life. You're not an accident. I don't care what your parents said. Uh, you're, you're not an accident. God planned on you being here in this glorious middle with regard to the beginning and the end. And we're in the church age and wherever you are on the spectrum, he has a plan for you. And then he sent, he sent Jesus because we messed everything up. And Jesus was the son of God. He was born of a virgin. And, and, you know, I tell our people, you need to know why he came. Most of our people are not saved. Uh, most of our pe- people, it, we, our church is filled with people who don't know anything about the gospel. And so I have to tell them why it matters that Jesus came. Because when I'm talking to them, they have no background. And so, so they're waiting to find out, well, so what? Jesus came. Okay, I know about Jesus, Christmas, Easter. But, but why did he come? Well, he came because of John 3.16. Okay, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So so Jesus came because of our sin. Now, I don't know how long it's been, so you probably preach on this a lot. You're such a godly guy. but, But our people, I haven't preached on sin in forever. And I thought, well, you know, you can't understand the cross unless you understand sin. And, and sin is different than just don't cussing and don't smoking and don't drinking and don't chewing and don't date girls who do. There, there's more to sin than, than just breaking rules. And so I want you to think through what I'm saying because this is really a message for the church. That, that if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be coming out of COVID, when I think the greatest spiritual awakening that's ever happened in our country is going to happen, we as believers have to deal with the sin that we deal with in our lives. You're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you two or three things, and I want you to think through this because, man, this crushed me. And I'm the preacher. Here's the first thing. Sin is looking for real life apart from Jesus Christ. Whenever you go through life and you're looking at having the best life and you're like, well, you know, I've got Jesus when I go to church or I've got Jesus when I'm in trouble or or our students, when, when I'm taking a test, I've got Jesus. No, no, no. No, Jesus is your life. In John chapter 3, then you go all the way back to John chapter 3, things haven't changed. Think about this. Adam and Eve is in the garden. They have a perfect body. They're young. They can eat whatever they want and not gain a pound. They are walking with God. Wouldn't you love that, ma'am? I mean, just to be able to, you know, go to that buffet, eat a whole fried chicken and not gain a pound. I mean, they have got it going on. They've got everything. 
And on top of that, they're married and they don't have any clothes on. And that's a whole nother sermon series. I'm sorry, John, I got to do this. Okay, I'm out of town. I'm having a good time. And so, and so you would think, okay, they've got it, they've got it going on, okay? They've got everything you can imagine, and, and, and all God says is don't eat fruit from that tree. Now, now think about that. Just live with me, walk with me. You've got everything in the world you've ever wanted. Don't eat that fruit. And they began to look at that fruit. And, and they said, God, that looks good. Like that, that would taste good, pleasure. It looks like it would taste really good. Uh, it, it looks like uh, it's desirable. It looks pleasing to the eye. It, pride, it'd make me look good just to hold that. Hey, if we eat that, it will make me wiser. It'll make me like God. It'll give me power. And nothing has changed. Even if you live out in the country, even if you live in the city, if you're a big church or a little church, if you're a believer, every single day you're facing the very same challenges and temptations to draw you away from a life with Jesus. And pleasure is everywhere. I mean, pride. I mean, pride is that one sin you can't see. Power is something that, I mean, we all want. We all want leverage. And the reality is it's something we fight every single day. And here's the problem we have as preachers, at least I have and the guys I talk to. COVID has made it easier to live a life of sin than in any other time in my life. Because we've been isolated, inoculated, and immunized from having a faith that is growing and real. Think about it. Our, our church has still not come back. I mean, we've got 60% of our people, and, and it makes sense when you know our people because, you know, they're new believers. You know, they don't understand what you understand. I mean, I look around here, and some of you would not have missed tonight if you had your leg amputated. I mean, you get it. You understand how important it is. They don't get it. They've not come back. And it's crazy what I'm going through. Like, like this is a therapy session plus preaching. In the, in the last four weeks, I've buried three young people from my youth group who are in their 30s who've died of drug overdoses. The isolation is killing people. So, so sin is when, whenever you go through your day and you're kind of living and doing whatever you want to do and you're not even thinking about Jesus, man. Jesus is a part of your life every single day, every single moment. Secondly, sin distorts who God created you to be and what He created you to do. I want you to think about it. When you were singing about the blood of Jesus and His blood speaks for me. You know, when you sin and I sin as believers, we're not breaking God's rules. We're breaking God's heart. He made you to worship Him and to love Him. And, and, and when, I, when I'm around so many people that are lost, man, we have people coming in. I, I'm starting to keep talking about it, but but you, you wouldn't believe the things like, I mean, we say at our church, if you don't have a tattoo, just meet us after church and we'll give you one. I mean, everybody in there has got a tattoo. I had a guy come up to me the other day. Is this, is this being taped? <laughs> I had a guy come up to me the other day and he said, hey, I want you to, he's 30 years old. He goes, I want you to see my new teeth. He lost all his teeth to meth. You, you, do you know what I'm learning about sin? 
There's a science to sin. This is what happens when you give in to sin. I want you to stay with me because, man, this is new to me. Uh, maybe you knew all this, but, but when you look at something to get pleasure or it makes you feel prideful or it gives you power, your brain gives off a lot of dopamine, okay? And these transmitters, tra transmitters the, the dopamine begins to go into these transmitters and the more you reach out for whatever that is, there's a trigger where the dopamine is going, wow, wow, wow. And then all of a sudden those receptors begin to kind of shrink up and you need more and more more dopamine to give you less and less of a rush. Listen, sin makes addicts out of all of us. And if you're not careful, and if listen, I deal with this every day. Every day I get up, the enemy is on my back. And when I get off apart from what God has for me to do, it rewrites reality. It turns fantasy into fact. It turns people into pawns and relationships into transaction. Listen, sin is a deadly thing. It's like a narcotic. You're saying, or, you know, you're being a, you're preaching the hellfire. And, no, 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 no. It's not like that. No, no. It, it's God loves you so much. He's got a plan for you. When you take things into your own hand and you do it your own way, man, it's feeding you things that's taking you down the wrong path. And it's hard to get off of that path because it makes you numb. Does anybody in here believe in zombies? Does anybody? You, I know that was out of the blue, but it's a transition point. Um, does anybody believe in zombies? Uh, I had, so, of course, in my church, there's a lot of people, yeah, I saw one last night. I'm not kidding you, man. We had a bunch of people, yeah, I saw a zombie. Well, I got to tell you about when I was in Haiti after the first earthquake, and we've been praying for Haiti, and I was there two or three times, and we had a, a guy that was with us who was a translator. And he was a street guy, and we wanted somebody from the streets because the places we were going were dangerous, and we wanted somebody that could protect us and let us know not to go into certain places. And, and we were driving down the road, and uh, he would point to those. I'd say, who, are the, who lives there? The president had these flags in different villages. And he goes, no, that's the voodoo priest. I'm like, bro, you shut up. That's not a voodoo. What? I said, this ain't New Orleans. He said, no, it's where the voodoo priest lives. You don't go there. This stuff is real, man. I said, man, you're crazy. And so we're driving at Port-au-Prince. We're going back to the airport. And he goes, uh, look, at, look at there. And I looked over and there was this guy. And he was, he was Haitian. And he had white all over him. And he was just kind of, he was working. And he looked like a robot. He was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he, he said, zombie. I said, what? Zon I said, zombie? No, zombie, Z-O-N-B-I. He said he's given himself over to Satan and it's taken over his life and he has supernatural power to do all those things and we stay away from him. And I looked at that guy and I thought, how many people do you know that have given themselves over to something that is running them ragged and taking them away from the life that God has for them? It's not just drugs, it can be your business. I mean, I'm watching those young guys in our church, man. They got young kids and they're, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. Hey, how about Jesus? I know I got, when I get there, I'm going to give Jesus some money and you some money. And they just go like this and go like this. And then we ain't talking about the soccer moms. I don't know if you know if you have them here, but you better get out of their way. I mean, here they go. Here they go. Here they go. Here they go. 
And all of a sudden, man, your life is gone. Let me tell you, you're going to be surrounded by zombies. They're coming to this area. Because zombies love beautiful places. They love to interrupt people's lives that have just a simple lifestyle. Build those soccer fields. Bring in those suburban. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And you're going to be zombie hunters. Because Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to set the zombies free. His blood can cover all of your sins. He can set you free. And that's going to be your message. See, here's the truth that I've not preached enough to the people I've been preaching to for 36 years. This is the truth. You can escape the penalty and power of sin, but you can't, uh, you can't miss the pain of sin. Let me do that again. You can escape the penalty and power of sin, but not the pain of sin. Here's something that happens in the blood of Christ, and His blood speaks for me, and, and I love that. And you know, all, the, the whole service has been about the blood of Jesus. Oh, I love that. I mean, yes. When you come to know Him and you've been born again, listen, you've been saved from the penalty of sin. You're going to heaven. I mean, man, isn't that great? We're going to go, you sang about heaven and you're going to have the white robes and man, we're going to just jump up and down and, you know, it's going to be good. You're saved from the penalty of sin, okay? But you're also saved from the power of sin. See, whenever you give into something and probably all of you are like me, there's something that, you know, like I drove up here and I gave in to driving too fast. But the reality is there's always something in your life that you're like, hey, I can't, I can't say no to that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. In every temptation, God will make a way for you to escape, but you've got to take the escape hatch. James says you resist the devil and he will flee from you. Paul says when you put on the armor of God and those shoes are shod, you can stand against the enemy's schemes. Jude says he's able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before Jesus Christ in that day. Listen, you have power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not just to give you a sin-free card. It is to give you real life and real power. And when you go back to school and you go back to work and you go back to wherever it is where you're assaulted by the world, you've got the power of Jesus in your life. Man, He has given you the ability. And I love what John said, man, standing against the devil and putting him under our feet and all that. He's right. When you get saved, and man... When you get saved, you're saved. Okay, soteria is the word for salvation. You're saved. You're being saved in this glorious middle. And then in one day you will be saved. You're in the middle where God is working in you. He's going to take you to another level. See, I'm not worried about the zombies. I'm not worried about the lost people. It's our people that know Jesus. Are you willing to go to another level? 
Are you willing to say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever changes you want to bring in my life, you bring them, God, because I am here for you. I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ that he can set people free. People are dying without Jesus every single day. And only you have the message of life. So I'll make this kind of personal and, and, and kind, of, kind of bring this to, to kind of a close uh, but I don't know if you know about the Enneagram. Anybody taking the Enneagram? It's a, uh, no one, one person. Okay. Two people. Great. Three people. Great. Well, it's a personality survey. I mean, you ought to do that. Okay. Not, you know, if you, if you have the internet, you know, you, I know you got the internet here, don't you? Okay. You know, you go online and take, I'm just playing with you. I'm just playing, okay? But, but you, it tells you about different personality styles, and you can probably pick them out anyway if we can put them up on the screen because it's, it's amazing how different people have different personalities and there are different things that they can lean into. Uh, one is, uh, the number one in the Enneagram is the perfectionist. You don't need people like that? Don't look at your wife. We almost had a divorce in our church yesterday. Seriously, there was some, this one man was looking through his fingers at his wife. I said, stop it, sir. But it's the people that have to have everything just right. Do you know what their core sin is? Anger. I mean, getting here tonight, some of the perfections are like, hey, can you get right here? Can you make it right here? We're supposed to leave right now. We're supposed to get there over there. You're supposed to sit over there. They're supposed to go like this. Why is he talking so long? When are you going to get through? And you get angry. The twos are the helpers. You're like, you're always saying, where's everybody else at? I mean, I'm doing all the work. You know, and your sin is pride. And the cross is saying, Jesus can help you. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus was perfect for you. The performers, uh, the dreamers, the analyzers, it goes all the way through. I'm not going to use it since you've not taken the test. We, we did a whole series on this. But the fact is, whatever it is that is so easy to entangle you, he gives you power. Because even though you're saved, we're broken. Our world is broken. That's easy to see. 1 John 5.19 says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But listen, you're to be salt and light. You're to be a city set on a hill. You're to be separate and to be different. And there's some young people in this room. Listen, when you go to school, you're to be different. You're to let Jesus like, like take over your life and do things in you that you could never do on your own. You say, well, how? And that's the last point. You see your life through the lens of his words in the Bible. His ways learned in biblical community and his wishes through talking to him daily. Now, now, now let, let that sink in because that's, that's deeper than you might realize uh, you, you find out about what he's like through reading his word. We, we have a thing now that we're doing in our church where we have a, a scripture reading and we have a devotion for every single day, Monday through Friday. And we challenge our people and we tell them, even if they're lost, we have people that come to our church that like our music, and, and they, but they don't believe in Jesus. I mean, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. Uh, and we tell them, if you will read your Bible, you will find out what God is like. And then if you'll get in biblical community, you'll have people with you that can encourage you. You, you. you will learn his ways. 
I mean, there's nothing better than having a church family. There's nothing better than having Bible fellowship. If you've not gotten to that level yet, man, this is your time to be around other believers where you're in biblical fellowship and you're learning the ways of God and his wishes through talking to him daily. That's just prayer. Where it's a part of your lifestyle, especially if you're on 220 or 59 or, or what all those, you know, that's a great time to be praying. To stay alive. And all throughout the day, even, even when you're at school, even when you're at work, wherever you are, you're, you're talking to him. You say, boring, not boring. Let me tell you, the most exciting part about my life is the things that Jesus has brought me through. The things that he's done in my family, the things he's done with my children, the things he's done with my grandchildren. My daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren lived in Ethiopia for three and a half years and COVID and some uh, insurrection and stuff that happened there brought them home. And I'm just seeing God do so many things in my life that I could have never done in a million years. He's got a plan for you. He knows where you are in Flora. He knows where you are, and he's got a plan to use you in a powerful way. Three things I want to give you uh, before we kind of come to a, kind of a, a crazy ending. Uh, one is accept that you can't deal with your sin and your temptation alone. You can't do it. Now, I know going back in our school and, and with regard to Sunday school, there wasn't a whole lot of confession going on in Sunday school. I mean, when you come to church, you want to come to a place where you can hide all that, Right. I mean, you want to look like you got it together and everything's going well. Listen, we're all struggling. And you can't make it by yourself. Especially men. We have house churches and we have like 50 or 60 house churches and they come together and, and we eat a meal together and we begin to talk about our struggles and talk about our message, the message and, and talk about our messes. And I have men all the time will say, hey, can I meet you for coffee? Can I meet you from men struggle more than anybody else in the world because they're afraid to let their guard down and say this is a problem for me. Number two, understand that you can't live fully being a part-time Christian. Now, I want to say that, that this one is a challenge because, hey, we all get tired. We all get frustrated. But the reality is, you know, this is a lifestyle. It's not just something that you check off and you go and you do this and then I may go when I go over there. No, it's a part of your life. It's who you are. And lastly, you need to get into a fellowship, a Bible fellowship. I said house churches for us. They can help you deal. And I say shank. They love it when I say that. You know, shank like you're making a prison. When you shank your pet sins and you're like, what does that mean? All of us have something in our lives that are small things that if we're not in a habit of dealing with them violently can grow to a place that can destroy you. Can destroy your marriage, destroy your kids, destroy your health. I'm in a place where it's real vulnerable. We had a little girl after the sermon came out crying and looking for a pastor saying, I'm struggling, I'm drugs, drugs are killing me. She came out saying that. That was her, like just talking to you, hey, drugs are killing me. That's my, that's my sin. I can't get away. Drugs are killing me. They're, I need help. I thought, man, what a great thing to know. There's something you can hold in your hand 
if it's not dealt with violently, can kill you. I came across something, and I've never used this illustration before, but there's a guy named Dan Brandon. And I don't know if we have the picture, if we sent the picture, but Dan, when he was younger, he got uh, a pet uh, cobra. And, um, And the reality is that thing grew up on him. Python, wasn't a cobra, python. And uh, do we have the picture of the python, Dan? We don't have that? Well, it's probably good that you don't because people were freaking out at church Sunday. And uh, he had it for a time as a little baby in his hand. I mean, he grew up in this thing, and they have a picture. I'll have to send it to you and show it Sunday. Um, he's got it wrapped around his neck. It's a, big, it's a big African python, and he called it Tiny. And, um, and this is what the coroner said. I'm sorry. I love y'all. Man, can I come back here sometime? They're better than my people. Um, it's what the man found dead at his home was killed by an eight foot pet python he had kept since it was a hatchling. This is what the investigator said. She was coiling around him, at which point, I have no idea, there was a point in which either she takes hold of him unexpectedly or trips him up or some other mechanism. And, and I, put, I put that picture up there. And he's got this snake around his neck. And I'm like, who didn't see that coming? I mean, like, who didn't see that coming? What is it in your life that when people look at you, they say, why didn't they see that coming? See, I'm not worried about the lost people. I'm not worried about the broken people. Because I know they don't understand that they have the power to deal with the little things in their life that can kill them. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And um, I, I know that you've come tonight, which means you're probably some of those godly people in Flora. But I can tell you something. The enemy never gives up. And what he wants you to do to take something that is small. Go, you know, hey, I do this and I do that and I go to church and I read my Bible and, you know, I ought to be able to do something. And it's something in your life that you know is something that God doesn't want you to have. Alive in your life. As small as it is. Would you just for a moment. Settle in and think about that. And I love what you've picked out. Have thine own way Lord. Have thine own way with me. God wants to do a mighty work in you. Not just this church. In you. If you'll let him deal with the small things before they become things that will absolutely kill you. Would you do business with God for just a moment? 
There's nobody here that's beyond the reach of being tempted to have something in their life that needs to be dealt with. Would you take that before the Lord? Say, God, I want you to have this, Lord. I, I can't, you know, obviously I can't deal with this. God, I need help. I need you to intervene. Uh, maybe you're thinking about somebody you can even talk to and say, hey, I've got a problem. I've got an issue. I've got something that's taking away my confidence in the Lord. Something that's robbing me of my joy. And God, I need you to take this so I can live fully and freely in you. Because even though you are free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, the pain of sin is still there. And it can rob you of the things in your life that are most important to you. I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing. Father, I thank you today. That God, the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to die on the cross, to shed his blood for us, that he covered all of our sins, that he gave us power to deal with any temptation to say no. But God, he also said, hey, you need to be in community. You need to be with people that you can say, I'm struggling. I need help. I need you to be in my life to keep me accountable. And Father, whatever it is in these amazing people's lives that need to be dealt with, God, work in a powerful way so you will send a revival here that people will hear about. Flora, Mississippi, the people of God there are serious about living for Jesus. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for John. I thank you for this staff. Do a powerful work, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.